Welcome to Success Hackers, cracking the entrepreneurial code, the podcast that's focused on empowering entrepreneurs to find the edge and take their business to a whole nother level. We're peeking behind the curtain to learn entrepreneurial shortcuts and success strategies from the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. Get ready for mind-blowing entrepreneurial tips with your host, high-performance business coach, keynote speaker, and author, Scott Hansen. Showtime in three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of Success Hackers. This is your host, Scott Hansen, business and marketing strategist, best-selling author, speaker, and of course, your podcast host right here on Success Hackers. I want to talk to you guys really, really quickly before we bring on our esteemed guests about prioritization. We talked uh, last week, uh, or last show, I should say, about prioritization. And I know overwhelm hits a lot of you that are listening. And I talked about putting things into buckets on the last episode about prioritization of your day. And one real quick nugget is this. If you're fearful of doing something, whether that's picking up the phone and calling prospects or going to a networking event or things that you don't want to do, although you know it's probably the most important thing in your business, here's one real quick tip. Do that the first thing in the morning. So from 9 o'clock to 10, 1030, knock out the things that's kind of staring you right in the face because when you knock out the quote-unquote harder things or the things you don't want to do, now you have the rest of the day to uh, to do other things, but at least you've got done the thing that you know will move the needle in your business and you got that out of the way. Oh, one last thing before we get started is make sure to click subscribe on successhackers.net. That's successhackers.net. Click subscribe so that you don't miss any of the latest and greatest new episodes. And if you want to write into the show and ask a question, have me ask a question of our esteemed guests, you can write into info at successhackers.net. I read all the emails. So info at successhackers.net. Ask me a question and I will ask that question to our esteemed guests. When that happens, I will bring your name and your business name up on the very next episode. And make sure to stay right around the halfway mark today. We're going to be sharing something brand new with all you business owners. So you're going to want to listen to all the way till the end. All right, Hacker Nation, let's get down to business. Our featured guest today is going to talk about franchising and being able to do the type of work that you are truly, truly passionate about. Today, our featured guest is Mr. Matt Miller. Matt, are you ready to rock? I'm ready to go, Scott. Thanks for having me on, man. This is awesome. Absolutely. Well, Matt Miller spent the first nine years of his career as an Air Force pilot before entering the private sector to work in both the medical device and advertising industries. While a top performer in the corporate world, his long-term desire was to be his own boss. A good friend one day mentioned the gumball machine business he and his young daughters owned, and that conversation began a 10-year business quest that has now brought Matt's company, School Spirit Vending, to the cutting edge of both the vending and school fundraising industries. Today, School Spirit Vending's franchising program provides a proven and profitable business system for busy professionals and their families looking to develop secondary income streams with a limited time commitment. Matt, welcome to Success Hackers. Man, it's great to have you on the show. Yes, Scott. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, you know, um, I gave our Hacker Nation a little bit about you, but first of all, thank you for your service in protecting our freedom. On behalf of all the Hacker Nation, um, thank you for, for your service as an Air Force pilot. 
Thank you. Appreciate it. First of all. Second of all, you know, I always was wondering in my early 20s, I'm a married man now, but in my early 20s, I remember thinking to myself when I was single at a bar, thinking, God, if I only had a really cool thing to say when a girl comes up to me and says, what do you do for a living? So I would imagine as an Air Force pilot, <laughs> it probably didn't get much better than that. So tell us about that. Tell us about your time as an Air Force pilot. You know, Scott, it's funny you say that. It's It actually, when you're at least looking for long-term relationships, was actually a negative. Mm. Um because there was a lot of girls and women at, at that stage in, in my life, being an Air Force Academy graduate and then a pilot, who wanted to marry an Academy grad or wanted to marry a pilot. And so oftentimes it wasn't about the person. It was about the career that they had. Yeah. And uh, one of my buddies used to always joke around a guy by the name of James Schaefer that I flew with for years um, he tells a story about how he was at a party one time and and a girl came up to him and said hey hey how are you you know started the conversation and assuming that he was a pilot and and she said well what do you do and he said well I'm a Zamboni driver <laughs> <laughs> and she was like what he said yeah you know the machine that they clear off the ice with at hockey hockey games that's what I do and she's like Oh, and she turned around and walked away. <laughs> Later on, she sees him and his buddies, you know, uh, talking with their hands like pilots tend to do. And she comes back over and, and she says, hey, hey, uh, you are a pilot, aren't you? And, and James said, yeah, he said, but you want to know it. If you didn't like me as a Zamboni driver, then uh, it's a non-starter for us, honey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, my, my wife's dad was a pilot. When I met her, I knew that there was a chance because uh, she didn't care about the whole flying thing because she had been around it all her life. So, yeah, well, I guess long-term commitment is one thing, but I would imagine there to, to, to what we talked about. There's nothing cooler to say that uh, I uh, I fly fighter jets, and then someone probably would give you that look like, yeah, what, whatever. But then really, you did, and man, that I'll tell you what. That, that would have been something when I was younger if I would have been able to do that. But, you know, me saying that I sell advertising was, it wasn't nearly as success wasn't nearly as success, uh, successful or sexy for them. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was a sophomore at the Air Force Academy when Top Gun came, oh, came out. So, yeah. I mean, that, that definitely helped things there for, for a good period of time. Um, I, I spent a decade in the advertising space uh, selling direct mail advertising after my flying days. So we've got that commonality. In fact, I filled people's mailboxes with junk mail on a weekly basis for about a decade. So I, I can completely relate. Thankfully, I was married by then, and uh, <laughs> the dating days were, were long, long over. Yeah, well, and, and we're going to get into that because um, I know that you were also – it's interesting. So as, I, as I'm reading your bio, it sounds like, again, you went to the academy. You were there for nine years. You then probably did a pivot and said, you know what, this is great, but I want to get into the corporate space. I want to make some more money and maybe have more of a secure job. Now you get into the advertising or direct mail piece. Whatever happens with that, I also talked about uh, that you were in the medical device business, which is – could be very lucrative, but also very stressful. I know that firsthand. My wife sells diabetes uh, pharma products to uh, endocrinologists, so I, I get the stress level. So when you have that moment, 
that moment from, okay, I'm doing this, I'm probably making decent money, but you have, I call that itch. That itch from whether you believe in God, the universe, Buddha, or whoever you dig the most, you're getting that itch, that constant itch. And then sure enough, fate steps in and you meet you meet a buddy that's uh, that's doing what you do now. Take us to that one moment where you're probably doing okay in business, um, but you get that you get that tap. What made you go forward with that tap to really dive into the uh, the uh, the business that you're in now? You know, I didn't have a choice to be honest, because I found out real quickly that uh, publicly traded companies, the stockholder is what's most important to them, not the employees. And there were constantly changes um, and adjustments being made, and they were never in my favor. And one of those put me in a massive hole financially because of an arbitrary quota that my boss set for me mm. after uh, my my first full year with the company where I ended up being number two in the country out of 750 reps. And we went from being heroes to zeros overnight. Uh, it We took a massive hit financially and found ourselves in a deep hole, partly because of some of some of the financial decisions we had made, but a lot of it was you know, we had gotten accustomed to the money that we were making, and that decision took a lot of that money away. So I had to do something on the side, and I just came to the realization at that point that I was going to get to a point where no one was going to be able to control me that way and impact my family and our life in such a huge fashion. And so I started doing whatever I could on the side to help make ends meet. I sold aluminum or collected aluminum cans. I sold used books on Amazon for several years before selling on Amazon was cool. Um, I did whatever I could. And then my buddy mentioned the, the gumball machine business that he and his young daughters had, had started, like you mentioned. And it was going to take a lot of 25-cent gumballs to change my family's trajectory financially. But I had read Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I believed in what he talked about as far as passive income. And so because of that, I just had to figure out how to do that for myself. Now, I couldn't do the real estate route like he discusses because I didn't even have my own house then, let alone you know getting rental properties to rent to other people. But the candy and gumball machines made sense to me because essentially it was the same thing, just on a much smaller and more affordable level. So I started in that world after about a year and a half. I ended up having about 125 locations around the Houston area where we lived at the time. And then 07 and 08 hit. The market tanked, and I was stressed out again because the numbers had dropped off. And right around that time, had some kids come knocking on my door, selling me stuff for local school fundraising. And that's where the kind of aha moment occurred. And I was like, man, I could level out these ups and downs with the economy if I was doing vending where the kids are nine months out of the year, five days a week. And so that's where the whole idea of custom stickers printed specifically for the school with customized vending machines for those stickers came about. And that was uh, October this year will be 10 years ago that we launched School Spirit Vending uh, as a test to begin with at, at one school in the Houston area. Wow, congratulations. 10 years is a long time for doing what you're doing. I, we commend you. Anybody, that, anybody that's been in business for 10 years and continues to sustain and grow, congrats to that. But I want to ask you a question about the School Spirit Vending. So I, I was under the impression that it's just the, the candy or the sodas 
inside of schools, but it sounds like it's more than that. So can you explain to our audience what exactly it is? Yeah, actually, we don't do candy or sodas or any of that. That's where I started, but I pivoted back uh, in 07 and 08 because of the market. Uh, we exclusively sell stickers and pencils um, as a fundraiser for schools within schools across the country. Uh, we've got about 100 franchisees. We're doing business currently in about 42 states. We just placed our first equipment in Hawaii and Alaska here in the last couple of weeks. We're in the process of doing some testing in Canada and by this fall, most likely we'll be uh, franchising in Canada as well. So, um, yeah, but it's it's stickers. That, that's what we do. And um, it's pretty crazy to think that a simple idea like that has grown as quickly and has as, as big a reach as it does today. So you said, now mind you, I'm 44 years old. I haven't been in a school uh, in a long time. But so if I'm hearing you correctly, you guys have created a product, a, um, a machine that someone, um, obviously I would imagine grade school, uh, you, you actually sell that, mach- that, that, that piece of equipment into a, a school, that school then purchases it and or leases it from you, and then you continue to supply the products inside the machine? Is that kind of how it works? Uh, we have a revenue share with the school. It doesn't cost them anything to get started with the program. Uh, you know, we, we pay for the equipment and all that with our portion of that revenue share. So it is a it's, it's has no cost to the school on the front end whatsoever and is an ongoing passive fundraiser for the school and a passive income stream for our franchisees who are looking to make money, many of them, but have a corporate career much like I did early on and need to maintain that while building another income on the side. So from a numbers perspective, let's let's dive into that. Um, you said that uh, now you are the franchisor, correct? Correct. So you started this. You have found a loophole or you found a, a great mousetrap. I love the, the one side of it is the... The, the, the giving back, if you will, to the school, a revenue driver, as you call it, which is genius because the school says, absolutely, I don't have to invest anything and I get a chance to make money if I put your machine in our school. How did you come up, two questions, how did you come up with the stickers and pencils? How did you know that that would sell or that people would be interested? Because there's probably other individuals that have come along over the years and said, hey, we should put this in or that in or this in. You obviously struck a chord, so how did you come up with the idea, number one? And number two is, from a, from a revenue standpoint, I or any of my listeners right now want to purchase a franchise with you. What does it cost, and really, how, much do I, how many do I need to actually get or purchase in order to make some real money? So, first question is, I was in the print advertising world, like I mentioned, yep. so I had a fairly good idea about graphic design and printing, and, and it's at least generally the concepts and the processes behind that. I had previously tried uh, in my traditional vending business to create some more kid-friendly product for the sticker machines that I had out in local businesses where I had my traditional route. So I had taught myself and learned how to do that a couple years prior. So it was just a matter of, okay, what if we did this for the schools instead of me just coming up with some arbitrary product? 
you know, the mascot, their colors, school spirit, all that stuff is a big deal. So that's where the kind of the idea came from. And, of course, I had been in vending for about three years at that point, so I was already sold on the whole idea of vending. As far as the franchise itself, to give your listeners an idea, the average franchise today in the U.S. costs about $150,000 to get started. Uh, SSV, it's just shy of twenty. So it's very, very cost-effective for folks. Um, and like I said, limited time commitment. I, I can't get into specifics just because of some of the guidelines that Uncle Sam, um, as far as financial claims as a franchise. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you this, about a third of the people on our team, this is all they do. Mm-hmm. Most of them were successful professionals like myself who did not walk away from a professional career to make less money. If I were to buy into the franchise right now, is that twenty grand? Does that get me one, for lack of a better term, one school, one machine, or or does that allow me to have wide open access to as many different uh, machines and or schools as possible? They acquire a two hundred school protected territory uh, within a geographic area. It's normally a grouping of school districts or counties, depending on where people live and where the territory availability is. Um, That also gets them equipment for the first five schools. It gets them the product for the first five schools. It gets them a six-month mentorship with one of the veterans on our team that takes them under their wing and, and essentially steps them through the first six months of getting their business up and running. Uh, one of the steps is that mentor coming and spending a couple of days with them in their territory, wherever they are, and helping them begin to promote this in their area. So yeah, it's a lot more than just just a, a machine in a school. Uh, it's but it's the foundation through which they're going to learn the basics of what we do uh, to the point where they, they can continue to scale it from there at whatever pace that they choose to do so. 200 schools, and within that 200 schools, that franchisee gets five total machines. Is that what I heard? Yeah. I mean, every time they set up a new school, it requires additional equipment. But to get the ball rolling, part of their startup cost is the first five machines for the first five schools. And then they just order them direct from our supplier whenever they need more. Okay, so so how much does a how much does a machine? Again, I, I'm sure that there's going to be some listeners that at the end we'll actually have some information where you can contact Matt if you have interest. But if someone's listening, okay, they're saying, okay, I got to it take twenty thousand to buy into this franchise. I have two hundred schools protected in that two hundred school protected geographic location. I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's grade schools, correct? Uh, primarily, we do some work in some other uh, grade levels. We also have some other products that are made available for the older kids um, without the machines themselves because we just found the older kids didn't interact with the machines like the younger ones did. That makes sense. So I would imagine I actually have a, a franchise broker, a friend of mine, and he, he, I think he brokers 100 different franchises, and he says without question the key to any franchisee is having multiple franchises. It just makes sense. It's a volume play. You have to do a good job with, with each location, but it's a volume play. So in order to, to really, and I know he can't talk exact numbers, but benchmark numbers, I'm always curious with the 20,000 investment that gets me these 200 schools, 
where does the numbers really start to scale into maybe three to five hundred thousand dollars a year? Would it, would it be multiple? Like I have to buy into five or seven different types? You think, or are people when that you talk to are they happy with maybe one or two, and that that affords them a nice possible you know seventy to one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars a year type income? I mean, ultimately, they're going to need to have multiple territories to make you know the kind of money that you're talking about. Uh, there's a lot of variables in that, um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, with what's your buddy who works with a hundred different franchises, mm-hmm. um, you know, talks about very similar here. The nice thing is they can start out with one territory and or a couple if they want to begin with. Once they prove their their uh, commitment and their performance, etc., then you know we can talk about additional growth opportunities for those that that see this on a lot lot bigger scale when you look at franchisees that are in your in your hemisphere the people that are buying into your franchise what are the the people that are doing it right the ones that are maybe have multiple that are growing that are scaling that are making some serious money what are they doing right and the ones that are maybe struggling for lack of a better term what are they doing wrong do you think you know the biggest thing you know, Scott, all gets back to consistency and uh, discipline. It, 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 there's no secret in business, no matter what kind of business you're in, and SSV is no different. Some people understand that consistency and persistence over time doing mundane and oftentimes boring tasks are ultimately what yields success to just about anybody in any endeavor. And SSV is no different. Uh, we have systems in place to teach people to for their ramp up to be very, very quick. But um, everybody's situation is different. And, of course, you know, we've both seen in our lives and in our business careers, some people are very, very good at, at being teachable and some people aren't. Yeah. The, the ones that aren't don't tend to do as well until they realize that maybe – the 10 years that we've been working this and figured it out, maybe there's some real value in that. And if I just listen, then the the distance from point A to point B can be much quicker and much shorter than it took Matt to get where we are today after having to figure it all out at the very beginning. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is being coachable to the system that's already been proven. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why you buy a franchise, right. quite honestly. Right. Is is because it has already been proven and it's already been figured out. Well, the reason why I ask again, I go back to my buddy. He has uh, broke, you know, he has franchisors that that charge, you know, five hundred thousand dollars for a day spa type business, and then you have, then you have like your business is twenty thousand dollars. So the the entry to play is much less from a cash perspective or from a financing perspective. With that said, I would imagine because it's a lower cost of entry to get in that you have to have multiples in order to really to really go after it and i would imagine in your business unlike like a a day spa uh, i have a friend of mine that that actually has a day spa he wants to open up his second it costs him a half a million dollars to open this up um, obviously his biggest thing is how do i get people in the door so I have to advertise, I have to market, I have to do radio, I have to do all these things in addition to the 500 grand for the build out and everything else. With your business, you're not a, you're not doing any 
quote-unquote marketing to attract a school per se, I would imagine a lot of the business development is relationships, calling on the, either the superintendent, the principal, or whoever runs the school, and then pitching the idea of a win-win for both parties. I would imagine that's really the key. Would you agree? Yeah, capital isn't the isn't the real factor here. Um, it's like you said, it's relationships and it's just willingness to get out and talk to people and and help them understand what we're offering and how it can tie in with what they're doing. So I want to shift gears. As you know, Matt, our Hacker Nation community listens to the show for actual success hacks and strategies to help grow themselves in their business. We talked a lot about. Your your overall franchise and some of your franchisors and, and what it takes, etc. And you've given us some great nuggets, but now we shine the success hack spotlight on you, Mr. Matt Miller. So what's one success hack that you've learned over the last several years that you can share to help a business owner right now become more successful in their business, whether it's owning a franchise or whether it's a traditional business that you can help them maybe get back on track or continue to scale in their business. Whatever you want to share, the floor is now yours, sir. I've lived by a couple rules for most of my uh, most of my life, Scott. The first is you help enough other people get what they want and you'll be taken care of. And my whole corporate and business career has been about creating win-win situations for me and the people I'm doing business with. Uh, business is very stable, and people are very happy when you have a scenario or you create a scenario like that instead of trying to get one over potentially on somebody. The other thing is I've lived by the philosophy of inch by inch, everything's a cinch, yard by yard, it's hard. Hmm. You know, in our In our microwave society today, most people want success immediately. I hate to say it, but get rich quick does not exist. Uh, it takes hard work in any endeavor, in any business, to have something that's lasting and sustaining that's worthwhile. So get focused on daily, small, incremental progress. I I create a spreadsheet for myself. It's, it's my priorities list, and I break it down by 90-day increments. And I say, okay, I need to accomplish this in the next 90 days. And then I, then I break down whatever that thing is into its component parts that need to occur so that I might do one step today. I might do a second step middle of the week next week. I might do a third step, you know, the same day because I have some extra time. Because by the end of 90 days, the goal is to have it done, not to have it done tomorrow. And so I've gotten very, very good at being happy with incremental growth each and every day. I'm in the process of losing weight right now. It took me years to gain the weight that I put on. How am I losing the weight? It's not some crash diet or whatever that the minute that I go back to live in my life, I, I gain all the weight back. No, it's changing my habits in my life and incrementally losing a half a pound or a pound every couple of days and then keeping myself accountable to that goal. I've lost 30 pounds in the last six months. I want to lose another 50. Well, guess what? I realize that it's going to take me a year at least, if not a little bit longer, to get there. So I'm not putting unrealistic expectations on myself. I realize if you and I are to talk a year from now, June 1st, of 2018 that I will most likely be at my goal or really close. But a month from now, I'm not going to be there. And so I don't get disappointed. I keep it real. 
Inch by inch is a cinch. Yard by yard is hard. Yes, sir. I love that. Congrats on the weight loss. I'm sure you will hit your target. And you know what? What you just shared is uh, is similar to what Darren Hardy, the previous uh, editor of Success Magazine, talks about in his book, The Compound Effect. And I think, to your point, with the microwavable society that we have, we want everything yesterday. We want everything in five minutes. And I would love to know... Did you always have that philosophy? Because a lot of times, we'll talk about your weight loss. I mean, we can talk about business or anything else, but we, with what you just shared in your weight loss, a lot of people in weight loss, in relationships, in business, they take on that mentality, which is this inch by inch is a cinch, and they move slowly towards their goal. But then they hit a roadblock, and that inch by inch turns into, it feels like a mile or you know, a, uh, just this big cavern of of missed opportunity, and you're saying, "Man, it's taken me six months. I lost that deal. I didn't get. I didn't get to the next level of weight loss. Whatever. You know what? Screw it. It's not worth it." And then we're hearing other people around us, the media, friends of friends of friends, people online who are now making. They're going from make, being you know broke to twenty thousand a month. Feels like overnight. Or they've they've accomplished all this weight loss goal. So what would you, how would you talk to that person right now? That's maybe in that exact moment that's listening right now to say, all right, I get the philosophy, compound effect, inch by inch is a cinch, yard by yard is hard. But man, oh man, sometimes it just seems like it's taking forever. I'll hit a roadblock and then I'll feel like, you know what, is this really worth it? Well, let's put it in perspective. Malcolm Gladwell talks about taking ten thousand hours to be great at anything. So if you think it's going to happen any quicker, you're kidding yourself. It's like, Scott, you've got over 100 episodes with your podcast, right? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a podcaster as well. And everybody told me when I got started, most people don't make it past episode seven. Well, here I am two years later. I've done over 300, 300 podcast episodes in three different podcasts that I do, two for my franchise team that only goes to them, and one for schools out there that are looking to figure out what they're going to do for their fundraising each year. Mm. How did I do that? I did one at a time. I did another one. I committed next week. I'm going to do some more interviews. Yeah. I'm going to do some more uh, recordings. I turned back around. Holy smokes, 300 yeah. of these things. Two years ago, I didn't even know what a podcast was. Matt, well, now you're just showing off, damn it. Now you're just showing off. <laughs> 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 no, I get it, man. Congrats. That that's um that that's I love the philosophy. I really do. You know, a lot of people don't like the term slow and steady wins the race, but that's exactly what you're talking about and it does happen. You know, inch by inch is a cinch. Yard by yard can be hard. I love it. All right, Matt, we are now entering the randomness round, but before we do, let's take one quick moment to learn something brand new. Hacker Nation, do you feel stuck in your business or maybe even hit a plateau? Maybe you're not even sure how to market effectively, drive leads, get new clients, become more productive, or maybe you're just not quite sure how to scale or go big in your business. Then you are going to love this. I have a brand new free training on how to go from where you're at in your business today to creating and sustaining a seven-figure business. No fluff, no selling, no BS, straight content on this training and webinar on how to scale your business. Oh, and by the way, it's 100% free. 
So to sign up for this training, go to bigbusinesswebinar.com. That's that's bigbusinesswebinar.com to grab your free spot. All right, Matt, we are back and about to enter the randomness round. The randomness round is kind of like putting you on the success hackers version of the hot seat. Whatever's the first answer that comes to mind, just let it rip. So Matt Miller, are you ready for the randomness round? Let's do it. Best advice you've ever received? To set bigger goals than I'm comfortable with. What's a daily habit that you do sometime throughout the day that puts you in a great frame of mind? Listen to podcasts like yours. You now own a time machine. I want you to travel back in time to when you were 25 years old again. What advice would your current self, knowing about life and business, give your 25-year-old self? I would tell myself that uh, start a business as soon as you can. Get on the road to figuring this thing out faster um, because there was a lot of my life that I was dependent on somebody else, and I found that I'm tr- I'm really made to be doing what I'm doing now. What's one trait that you have that you feel has contributed mostly to your success? Patience and discipline. What's a hidden talent that you have, Matt, that most people may not know about you? I have been a singer for most of my life. Today, I, I still sing as part of the praise team at church on a pretty regular basis, but was in choirs and that type of thing all through my life and absolutely love it. What is one book that you've read that's made an impact on your business? You know, the one I'm reading right now, aside from Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, I'm right now reading Tim Ferriss's Tools of Titans, and it is incredible, all the insights from the people that he's interviewed over the years. If you can recommend one social media tool or overall service that's helped you in your business, what might that be? REV, it's called Rev. It's a way to take audio and convert it um, through transcription to text and uh, has been a game changer for me because I'm good at talking. I'm not as good at writing. Matt, you are now officially off the randomness round hot seat. This has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your time and these incredible success hacks with our Hacker Nation. Where can our listeners find out more about you, your business, or anything else that you might have going on? Scott, I wrote a short book here uh, a little while back. It's it's only a few pages, but it's called um, Live Your Dreams, The Top 10 Reasons Why You Need to Own a Vending Business. And I just share some insights after a decade plus of doing what I do that most professionals have never thought of or considered when it comes to vending because they don't see real money in a quarter. And so I dispel some of that. They can go to ssvbusiness.com slash success to uh, download a a free copy of that and hopefully that'll get them thinking and if they want to talk about the franchise we can start a dialogue and and see where that goes as well ssvbusiness.com forward slash success is that correct yes sir okay Hacker Nation, make sure to head over to successhackers.net that's successhackers.net for this episode's show notes and recap from today's incredible interview with Matt, along with that URL that I just shared that will be on the show notes page to get your free download. When you're on the site, please don't forget to click subscribe again so that you don't miss any of these latest episodes. And remember, 
If you're looking to explode your business this year, head over to Big Business Webinar. That's bigbusinesswebinar.com to grab your free spot. This is Scott Hansen saying thanks again for listening to another episode of Success Hackers. Until the next show, go out and live with passion.